0: Hello everyone and Merry Christmas. This is Programme 40 on the David Cassidy Connections. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Today my guest is Ken Wank, an award-winning songwriter who has been inspired by the music of David Cassidy and Lewis's Tony Romeo. Tony wrote many songs recorded under the Partridge family banner. These included the multi-million selling first hit, I Think I Love You, Summer Days, My Christmas Card to You, It's One of Those Nights, and Morning Rider on the Road, among many others. Ken shares with us some of the original material he has written, including songs influenced by the albums, A Partridge Family Christmas Card, Sound Magazine, and Crossword Puzzle. So let's hear more about his journey.
1: I feel that David's legacy really comes down to the fact that he touched so many people in so many positive ways. Simple as that, entertainment-wise, personally and it's just a tribute to who he was
2: the david cassidy connections
1: with louise
0: Poynton. welcome to the david cassidy connections podcast
1: thank you great to be here
0: lovely to see you you once told me that you want your songs to evoke the feeling of happiness yes. do you think they achieve that
1: I hope so. You know, um, I mean, I was so influenced by David and the Partridge family music and Tony Romeo. That was happy music. That was just pure joy, um, incredibly crafted pop songs. And it brought just so much happiness. There was so much joy that came from them. And I... Wanted to uh, I, I wanted to have my songs kind of be like that and to to evoke that in people. That's that's what I tried to do is
0: we're gonna play some of your songs during the show. Really beautifully constructed. Thank you. We'll talk about how you got your inspiration for for these songs, certainly from sure. the lyrics. When you actually listened to them, yes, that would have been a really good partridge family song. When you were writing them, did you have David's voice? singing them in your head
1: oh of course oh of course i mean it was just the whole song like you know the christmas song which we'll get into um the song which i mean the album was great the christmas album but the song which prompted me to write the christmas song was my christmas card to you by tony romeo and david just i mean the way he his it wasn't just the tony romeo songs which i love David was magic on all of the songs. He had this voice that just, it just takes your breath away. Nobody had a voice like him. So that particular song, of course, the way he performed My Christmas Card to You was, and I I just, I said, I got to write something like that. Because, you know, it just, it was so poignant. Just so poignant. When
0: did you write I Can't Wait for Christmas Day?
1: I I started writing it in the mid, I I would say, in the late 80s, early 90s. And I finished it. It it took some time. Did it about 97 is when it was recorded.
0: Let's talk, first of all, about the influence of the Partridge family music and David's first solo album, Cherish. Can you tell me what it is about that music and what it means to you?
1: Well, I mean, it's... I mean, the songs on that are so, those songs on the Partridge family and the the Cherish album, you said, okay, well, this is the story of how I became influenced by them. Okay, I was actually, besides writing, I I was a chiropractor for many years. And in the early eighties, I was in chiropractic school. And what happened was I was studying and during my study sessions, I would have the reruns of The Partridge Family on. I didn't really focus on the show in the early 70s when it was on. But in the early to mid 80s, as I was studying, I heard these songs and I said, wait a sec. Now, I played the keyboard since I was a little kid. I played by ear. and uh, But I never really thought about writing until I started hearing those songs. And I, every day I would put the next rerun. I said, I got to stop my studying. I said, this music is different than anything I've ever heard. It's just different. And I would listen, I said, Oh, my gosh, I'd hear summer days. I'd hear together we're better. I think I love you all of these songs that were just beyond. And I started thinking to myself, wow, these are really special songs. Maybe I could try to do it. Because I had the music in my head from playing other people's music. So as I was graduating from chiropractic school, I I did do some writing, I was starting my practice and everything. But That's when I started writing in the mid 80s. um, And I would try to pattern my songs after Tony Romeo songs. And Tony had an immense influence in my life. He was just, to me, nobody wrote melodies and lyrics like him. Just nobody. I mean, people beg to differ, but I mean, you know, of course the Beatles are great and Irving Berlin is great. All those writers are great, but it was something about him. And David, and I remember when I would start to write my songs, as the mid to late eighties went by, I said, I got, Oh, this is, this is what happened. So before I get to that, I said, I have to get these records. So I went to a record store, an old record store, and they had all the old Partridge family albums, all of them still sealed and everything. I said, later on, the guy wanted to actually buy them back from me. He said, people want, so I was hunting through these, these, these carts, cartons of, records. I said, oh, there's cross, there's Bulletin Board. Oh, my gosh. And I got all, and I got Cherish. And, and I said, oh, my gosh. It was like, it was like I hit the mother load. And I had him, I kept playing the music. And I said, I'm going to give this writing a go. And I'm going to start writing. And David's voice, it, it's a, it's really almost indescribable, his voice. it's indes- It really is. It, there's no voice like it. No, nobody. The way he met the lyrics and the melody in those songs was just it was incredible I mean he delivered on every single one of them Uh, the Cherish album I love my favorite song of the Cherish album was um we could never be friends you know I love that song I love being together just so many great songs on uh on that I also got the dreams of nothing more than wishes album and I love the happy day, uh, not the, the sum, summer days rendition. I love play me. I mean, just it, it I, I just lived that music. I lived it. And I just, you know, when I wasn't working, I was thinking, let me, maybe I can start writing. And, and, I, and I started producing, having songs produced in the mid 80s. And I came across this wonderful producer in 88 who started helping me. I've been with him since. His name is Steve Skinner. And he's a tremendous, tremendous producer. And he's helped bring my songs to life. And a lot of times I'd go in the studio and with the songs that you're going to be playing, I would bring the Partridge albums. They were on CD, some of them at that time. And I'd say, let's make this one like, for instance, while I'm on this earth that you're going to play, that reminded me of As Long As There's You from the Crossword Puzzle album. So it's different melody and lyrics. So I would bring it in and I said, Steve, I want to make this like this. And then I would do. How was I to know? That was like you don't have to tell me from the Sound Magazine album, and of course the my Christmas card to you was uh, you know there. So it just I don't mean to keep rambling, but no it was...
0: no no you carry on.
1: <laughs>
0: this is fascinating.
1: Yeah, uh, it yeah. just it just took over my life. The, to me, the Partridge Music and David's music was here way up. There's a lot of great music in the world, and I was inspired. I also love. You know, when I grew up, I was very, very, I I was so into 70s music and some 60s music. And I love that music per se. But something about David, the Partridge family and that music was just at another level for me. It was just at a different level.
0: We were all exposed as young kids to the music that our parents would play. But we didn't have anyone that we could relate to. David's emergence onto the scene and mm-hmm. as you say, that unique voice of his mm-hmm. oh. suddenly he belonged to us. And your reaction is exactly what everybody has.
1: Yeah. And uh, you just can't compare it. No. And Louise, it got into my soul immediately. It's not like it took time. I would hear these songs and I just had the reruns on in the background. And I'm saying that song is incredible. That song is incredible. And the way he brought them to life and how he inspired me and Tony, and Tony Romeo inspired me. It was just the, the combination of them. And, you know, like I said, it wasn't just Tony's songs, which David did justice to, he did justice to all the songs, all of them, you know, and he just had, it, it was just it's magical, just a, a magical sound.
0: Unbeknown to you, some of the music that you had liked before the Partridge family had mm-hmm. actually been written by Tony Romeo. Had they not?
1: Yeah. Uh, he had a, a pretty big song for luke christie he wrote i'm gonna make you mine in 69 he wrote for johnny maestro on the brooklyn bridge he did uh welcome me love and blessed is the rain and uh he wrote for he I, he had a big hit with indian lake for uh the castles and uh yeah so he had a he had a, in fact it's so funny i remember i was listening after uh, at one point after i got to know about tony i heard i'm gonna make you mine i said i bet you he wrote that song and sure enough He wrote that song. It was so funny. I remember I had the 45. I said, Tony Romeo wrote that. Of course he did, because it's just so catchy and infectious. You just can't get enough of him. So he was my idol and David is my idol. And, you know,
0: where do you rate him in the history of American songwriters?
1: Oh, he's I mean, to me, listen, you know, you had Irving Berlin, the Beatles, uh, you know, incredible writers, Bacharach and David, the Carpenters, uh, Richard Carpenter. I mean. There's so many incredible writers. To me, Tony Romeo just stood above. He was just above. I'll give you an example. One of his songs is so, and this this was a big song for the Parcher family too. It's one of those nights. There's something very unusual about that song. Very, in fact, that song, I don't know if you know, was later covered by the Letterman. To me, he's tops. He just, There's, to me, he was the top, not that there's not other writers that are incredible, don't, you know, McCartney and Lennon and things like that. They're, you know, great writers, but something about his songs were different.
0: Well, you look at any of the Partridge family songs which he wrote and which David delivered so beautifully. He was painting a picture and telling a story. Is that how you set about composing your songs?
1: In the early times of writing, yeah, a lot of times it would be a story, but it was a lot of love themes. I did a lot of themes about love. And as I started to uh, evolve as a writer, I started getting into other thoughts about How can I tell more of a story? How can I be more expressive? Uh, So, yeah, it was, I I tried to be more descriptive as I went on with my writing. Like, for instance, Tony's song, I mean, you never hear a song by anybody like Point Me in the Direction of Albuquerque. Whoever writes a song like that about a girl with tossed hair, I put my arm around her. I mean, that's genius. Genius. That's genius. I mean, come on. This, This guy had a mind... If I ever got to meet him, I would have I would have bowed to him and, of course, to David, but, you know, it was just... It was incredible, yeah.
0: Well, the first song we're going to come on to is I Can't Wait for Christmas Day. The influence on that was My Christmas Card to You from the Partridge Family Christmas Card album, which will remind people was the best-selling album in the United States during yeah. the four-week festive season of 1971. The only original track... My Christmas card to you paints a glorious image of Christmas.
1: Oh, I, I, unbelievable! Instead of letting my, instead of letting the postman bring it, I decided I'd rather sing it. I mean, those lyrics are insane. What he wrote uh, that song, I mean, I wanted to create a song just with that feel. My Christmas card to you. That's, I think, probably if not one of the greatest Christmas songs ever written. You no, know, that and White Christmas.
0: Did you enjoy Christmas as a little boy?
1: Christmas is not my holiday, but I loved it. I love the music. Even as we were it wasn't our holiday when we were young, we had a tree and things. So I I very much got into the Christmas spirit in those days. Yeah, very much so.
0: We will play the, the first of those songs. I can't wait for Christmas Day.
1: Wonderful. Enjoy.
2: Snow's coming down There's something in the air The streets are crowded Just look around There are people everywhere Folks are smiling As they pass by It's that time of year I've got a special feeling And I know why This Christmas day will soon be here
0: song encompasses Christmas day.
1: Oh, thank you. Really thank you. Does. so much.
0: Who is the lady?
1: Uh, her name is Britt Savage. She's a, uh, a singer from Nashville. Did a lot of my music, very talented. Uh, she's uh, yeah, very talented. She helped bring it to life. know. Yeah.
0: Tell me about your life growing up as a, a little boy. How important was music to you?
1: I mean, I had an incredibly incredible childhood with an incredibly close family Uh, wonderful, loving, giving parents, an incredible sister who I'm so close to. She's uh, one of my biggest fans, and she's always been very supportive. I've had so much support from my beautiful wife, Ida, my beautiful sister, Julie, my brother-in-law, Ron, my nephews, Jonathan, Benjamin, David, and friends of mine, Paul, Sam, Roger, incredible support system through my years of writing i just wanted to add that they just you can't just do it alone you have to have people that bounce things off of and everything and they've been just so incredibly supportive wonderful family and friends and, I, and wife of course i don't remember exactly how it came but i remember my parents i believe got me a little toy piano when i was like five or six And I started plucking out music. I don't remember why they got the piano, but I started plucking it out. And then later, maybe I was eight or nine or 10, and they would get this big white piano. And I started, for whatever the reason, when I would hear melodies and I'd hear people's songs, I could just sit down and play it. I don't read music. I just can hear the songs and then I sit and play it. And this was like when I was a kid. And it was like, it was really music I never thought about writing in those days it was just playing other people's songs and it was just a uh, and it evolved into I got an organ um so the you know it was very loving and my parents were very and Julie my sister Julie was very you know uh into things and in the music and uh, they, they were so supportive of me playing and things like that and then and then in my mid-20s uh when I was uh going through grad school, that's when the songwriting bug hit me.
0: You remember the first song you wrote?
1: Yes, it was called Love is a Game of Chance. And that song was inspired. The title of that song, also I, I want to uh, um, give a good pop to a very wonderful, my favorite British movie, Oliver from 1968. There was a song in that movie called It's a Fine Life. And in the lyrics was Life is a Game of Chance. So the first title I got was "Love Is a Game of Chance." I got it from that. That's my favorite movie. You know, yeah. Shani Wallace was in that, and she—it yeah. was just—it was just. If you want to hear music, boys, go watch that Oliver. Oh my God, what a movie!
0: It's so strange, isn't it? The music that we listened to when you were, when we were young, how
1: yeah, they
0: come back into our lives and inspire yeah. us and influence yeah. us. And yeah, we're not consciously aware of
1: that. That's true, and so. That was my first song, Love is a Game of Chance. And that was back in 1984 or 5.
0: You grew up in New York?
1: I grew up in Long Island, New York. In my mid-20s, I moved to uh, another part of Long Island, Queens. And uh, yeah, I mean, some of the other influences, Louise, might have been, you know, like I said, I collected a lot of 45s. The Lion Sleeps Tonight, Uh, Everybody Plays the Fool by the Main Ingredient, just so many Incredible music from the 70s was just, you know, and some from the 60s. Petula Clark, I loved Petula Clark as I was getting older, loved her. I guess I was born in the wrong decade. I wish I could have written for those people back then.
0: Okay, we're going to move on to the second song. This is called How Was I to Know, inspired by a song from the Sound magazine album, again, written by Tony Romeo. Can you tell us how that inspiration evolved and also elaborate on why for you sound magazine is probably one of the best partish family albums worthy of the highest accolades
1: yeah yeah well that was the song from that album was you don't have to tell me and i just love that ballad i loved it it was just an incredible ballad and for whatever reason one night i was in bed i think and i said that song i gotta write something similar to that in the sense of, what would Tony write? In the, and then of course, the way David delivered it. I mean, indescribable. So what happened was I i started to write the song and I got through it pretty quickly. Sound Magazine has, that's definitely one of my favorite albums. It's, it's right up there in the top. There's a good variety of songs in there from Summer Days, to I Woke Up In Love This Morning. Another great song, which I think is very underrated, is I'm on my way back home again. I would play that song to death. I just absolutely love that. And the, the variety of songs on there from One Night Stand, Brown Eyes, it was such an I think that was the peak of the Partridge right around that time was, was the sound magazine. I mean, I love all the albums, but that, you know, some more than others, but it, that one, the variety is, is very, very uh, unique in that. And I feel it, it's not all like a cookie cutter type of thing where it's just one after the other. And um, oh, even Rainmaker was a it was a was a very unique song.
0: What was the story behind writing the lyrics to How Was I to Know?
1: Well, it was basically it was uh, I had never really done a heartbreak ballad before uh, or heartbreak song. Oh, actually, I did do one. I did do one that was more up tempo, but I never did one that was a real tearjerker. And also it was the idea of what Tony was trying to convey. And you don't have to tell me it was about a girl who was a guy who was uh, seeing that the girl didn't really want to be with him anymore. And it was a heartbreak. So I said, that was kind of the the inspiration of let's create something that's really a tearjerker and uh, breaking up totally unexpectedly. How is a person going to feel? So I was trying to evoke those. I mean, like I, like we talked about earlier, Louise, my music is happy. This particular one, I was trying to really evoke some some real tearjerker emotions.
0: Do you call on any personal experiences to write your songs?
1: Uh, well, sure. I had my, my share of times where people walked out of me, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, I I wouldn't say I was thinking of, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I was thinking about them at the time. I don't remember.
0: And here is oh. How Was I to Know.
1: Wonderful.
2: misunderstood How was I to know That I'd be here All by myself All the signs you showed You see they told me something else Were they just like
0: Like you said earlier on, you do tend to think, ah, could the Partridge Family have recorded that song?
1: That would have been a. Could you, uh, if he ever recorded any of my songs, I think I would have fainted. I would have just. If he, if it ever happened that way, I would have fainted. I mean, this is unbelievable. I was at a songwriting workshop or meeting a couple of years ago, and there was a man sitting to my right, a couple of seats over, who mentioned the name Mike Appel, and I heard him say the name Mike Appel. So. After the class was over, I went up to him and he was friends with him. And I remembered Mike Capel wrote on the first two Partridge Family albums, did um, I Can Feel Your Heartbeat, which was a great song. Somebody Wants to Love You, which I believe was the flip side of I Think I Love You, and Doesn't Somebody Want to Be Wanted, which was a million hit, a million selling hit, and uh, Umbrella Man. So I went up to this man, Rob, his name is Rob, and I said, uh, is that the same Mike Capell who wrote on the Partridge Family? And he said, yeah, he says, but most people know him as Bruce Springsteen's first manager, and he produced Born to Run. So uh, he set me up with a meeting with Mike. And I met Mike, I brought my partridge albums, and Mike heard my songs. Uh, I give him some of my music, and he actually said to me, first of all, he signed my albums. The, you know, I here here I'm meeting a guy who wrote from 50 years ago. He said to me, and this was unbelievable, he said. You would have written for Wes Farrell. He told me you would have written for the, for the Partridge family. That was just beyond the least. That's synchronicity 50 years later, <laughs> how I met him.
0: You can't get a better accolade than that.
1: No, no. And he actually was telling me about Tony, how Tony was a funny character. I was asking him about Tony Romeo. He says, oh, yeah, Tony would come in with his hat and anything. He'd say, let's write or do it. You know, so he he said Tony was a nice guy. And uh, in fact, he was extremely complimentary. at that behind the Christmas trees. So he's a really great songwriter. And it was just it was just great meeting him. He was uh, really, really good uh, to meet and talk to. And I got a nice compliment from him, as I had mentioned earlier. And uh, and it was just great meeting him.
0: You did see him in concert, though, a few times over the years.
1: Any times.
0: Can you share with me those experiences?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. So I started seeing David, I would say it was in the late 90s, early 2000s, and for the whole decade of the early 2000s and up until he passed. I I started, my first place I saw him was in Foxwoods. It was up in Connecticut um, in the late 90s. And then in the early 2000s, I saw him my wife and I went all over to see him. We went to Connecticut, New Jersey. We saw at Mohegan Sun. We would go to outdoor parks in Long Island, uh, New Jersey. And um, yeah, I, the energy at those concerts, it was a day's event. You would go there and you would sit outside for hours just waiting. And you talk to other fans who had shirts on, albums. It was just, it was a love fest. It was just, and then when he came out, people went nuts. And he would just, the way he sang, even years later, the way he brought the songs to life. He was such a showman. And he was just, oh, my God, it was just priceless, priceless. I, I, I was fortunate enough to see his last concert at B.B. King's. So, uh, yes, I saw him there a number of times. And funny, we, we would get to B.B. King's, you know, because there was a line outside. And there were girls there from the U.K. that would slept overnight there you know, from Germany, people would come and stay there overnight to get a good seat to see him. It's tremendous.
0: Was that last concert full of emotion for
1: you? You know, I think there was rumors at that time that he might stop touring. So there was a hint of a possibility that he might not be doing it anymore. But we never thought that was possibly probably the totally the end. So it was it was definitely a it was an interesting evening.
0: What was the best concert that you saw
1: well, boy, there's so many great ones. B.B. King's is a very quaint place. It's not very big, and it had a limited number of seating. So I would say those are probably the best ones because he's right on top of you on the stage, and you're right down there in New York. It's very good. Even the Mohegan Sun ones were good. It's hard to say. They're all incredibly, they were incredibly funny. He had great musicians. I met him uh, at a meet and greet before one of the last concerts. It was in New Jersey in, uh, in, in 2015. And uh, What
0: did that moment mean to you?
1: Well, uh, it was just—it was awful. It was incredible. It was just uh, to see him, and, and yeah, you know, it was—it was just to get a picture. It was very close picture, and was just—it was just wonderful to uh, to to be there. It was just you know to see him in person and right next to him was just amazing. Amazing. Yeah.
0: But you did write to him at one point, didn't you? Can you share with us? I know that you've you wrote about this in Cherish. David Cassidy, a legacy of love. You did receive a special email that dropped into your inbox. Can you tell us the story of this?
1: Yeah, in the early, like around 2011, 2012, I became friendly somewhat with David's webmaster Jane, and um, I wrote one day to Jane and I said, "Would it be okay if I sent an email?" To David, through you, how I was inspired by him. He was doing, he had just been on uh, Good Day New York talking about Alzheimer's with his mom, about his mom and things like that. And she said, sure. So I wrote an email telling how I, I was inspired by him and Tony Romeo. I play his music. And, you know, just, just a very uh, complimentary email towards him. And I think it was within a day or two or back, she wrote back and she said, David asked me to f- forward this email to you and it was i'll never forget june 5th 2012 it was beyond you know just that he was you know honored that i that he inspired me and that i was uh you know he wished me nothing but success with my songwriting and it was just he was on it was honored and that just meant the world to me
0: you keep it locked away or do you have it framed on display
1: I don't have a frame. I printed it out, but I did not frame it. But I have it for posterity. It's in the computer. It's it's in the home somewhere, and it's 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 uh, it's just. And I have it now in your book, so that's there for posterity. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> After November twenty first, two thousand seventeen, I couldn't play any of David's music for at least two or three years. I just couldn't do it. I was devastated. I, I was de- I was mourning. I couldn't do it. In the last year, I finally pulled out the albums again and started playing them, but I couldn't. It was when he passed, that part of me just passed, and I said, I can't listen right now. I couldn't. I just couldn't listen to it. I have been listening in the last year or so, but uh, it took me a while to get over his passing. And uh, it just wasn't the same. When he was alive and we had the concerts to look forward to, oh, wow, I'll play the music all the time. Let me write this song based on this, and it, it was just, when he passed it was everything changed it just changed
0: time to move on to your third composition this is called while i'm on this earth tell us where the inspiration came for this one
1: well it was again another song that i felt was very poignant and deep that david did i i wanted to create another theme similar to the how is i to know that was from you don't have to tell me to while i'm on this earth and as long as is you is a tremendously Powerful love ballad. I said, "Let me do something similar to that." So while the melody is different and the words are different, the structure is very similar to "As Long as There's You." And uh, I remember bringing the song into the studio, and, and my producer did the rest. And uh, it's funny, my wife actually and I used this as our wedding song when we got married a number of years ago. Yeah, people came up to me after the oh, I, I didn't know you wrote <laughs> it was kind of
0: here we are while I'm on this earth. track. Thank you. I, I can see how emotional your wedding day must have been.
1: Yeah, it was.
0: You haven't mentioned this yourself, but I know that you've won more than 30 songwriting awards.
1: Yeah, I've gotten awards from a lot of different contests over the years. Uh, and it was it meant a lot. You know, uh, I placed in different places, but it was just to get acknowledged and honorable mentions and things. It was just validation for continuing to write. You know, it was just, it was just nice, yeah.
0: How many songs do you reckon you've written over the years?
1: I would say close to 45, 50, 45 or 50, something in that, center. probably 40, in the mid 40s, maybe high 40s, something like that.
0: Are these ones that we've chosen today, these four among your favourites?
1: Yeah, they 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 are, uh, they are um, definitely uh, right up there as, as, as some of my pointy ones, because of the fact, they were partridge related. So they mean that much more to me. You know, they got the inspiration from the partridge songs. They they mean a lot to, yeah, these are definitely, I I feel, I mean, the Christmas song is very dear to my heart. I hadn't mentioned that song was actually released as a dance song a number of years ago on a dance compilation. It's a mid tempo that they put you played, but
0: how long does it take you to put a song together?
1: to actually write the melody. It varies. Uh, sometimes I remember there on some songs that'll come within a week or so, maybe a couple of weeks. Sometimes I could get stuck on a line in a song for months and I would just like, where is this last line going to come from? And I would just bang in my head. And then sometimes it just comes to you when you are half asleep at night. Oh, I better write it down or something like that. So that's yeah. How was I to know did have that? There was, there was a part in that song that I was stumped on for a while where I was uh f- trying to find week. but when I finish it like if a week or two I said oh that's something Tony would have done and you know like something like that I said oh that yep he would have done that so it, it varies could be sometimes uh the last christmas song I did the what could that be under the christmas tree that I did within about 3 or 4 days that came right away and that was an inspiration uh, that was a, just a general uh wasn't partridge related but it was uh
0: Tell us about the lyrics, because it's a very moving story in itself, that one. Yeah. It?
1: Thank you. Yeah. What I did is I, uh, I was at a songwriting meeting in the city, and I remember they said, why don't you start, start to write some more? So I went home that night, and I said, let me start another Christmas song. And I thought about, there's, I can't remember a song about a girl who was, I said, let's come up with something about a girl who wants her guy to commit to him. And it's like, let's create a story. It's middle of December and the tree is trimmed and the gifts are under the tree. And she's saying, God, I hope he commits to me. And then she sees this box under the tree. Could that be the diamond ring I've been waiting for? Could it be? I gotta wait a whole two weeks for this? Oh my gosh. So little by little, about three or four days, I came up with it and uh, went to my producer and, it was just, I, I, the reason I thought this song was very poignant. it has a payoff at the end, because at the end of, the, on Christmas morning, after all the anxiety and buildup over the couple of weeks and from mid-December, he opens the box and takes out the diamond ring and gives it to her, so that's the payoff. It's kind of like Tie Yellow Ribbon from Tony Orlando when he comes home on the bus and sees all, you know, a thousand ribbons around the tree. So it, a song with a payoff, I think, is really, really important.
0: You, you sound as though you are a bit of a romantic.
1: Uh, yeah, I would say I'm more than a, more than a bit. <laughs> yes, I, I am.
0: Well, let's hear that one.
1: Oh, you're going to play What Could That Be? Oh, wow. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, what a thrill.
2: It's mid-December, yeah, that Beside the fireplace my honey's holding me near As I see how nice we trim the Christmas tree I get to wondering if he'll ever commit to me Out of the corner of my eye as I look below I see this pretty blue box with a big red bow Past few years I've been pleading with the man above Please one day let him pledge his love When he goes to sleep, maybe I'll look inside But Christmas is almost here Guess I'll just let it ride As I wonder But could that be under the Christmas tree? Is it what I've been praying it would be? Saint Julie What do you,
0: can expect to find under the Christmas tree this year?
1: I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure exactly. Uh, I'm sure my wife will think of something or will you know, I have an idea, but, uh, but we'll see. Uh,
0: what do you consider Tony Romeo's best songs?
1: Well, my favourite all-time song of all time, which he co-wrote, uh, was Together We're Better. He, re- he co-wrote that from The Notebook now, that's my fit. that's the song that for some reason I mean I'd say the closest ones be- behind that My Christmas Card to You Summer Days and the other song I love a lot is uh, I'll Never Get Over You from the Bulletin Board album that was that was one of my best I mean I also love I'm Gonna Make You Mine and uh, you know Play Me was a great song from uh, oh and I think I love you I forgot about, how could I forget that one
0: there, I I there's two- <laughs> There's two particular songs that you forgot to mention. One was I Love You. Yeah. The other one, Morning Rider on the Road.
1: That's another great, yeah. Oh, that's another great song. Yeah, that, he, right, he was, uh, oh, one of the other, one of my favorites is You Are Always on My Mind from the uh, up-to-date album. Just brilliant. And Morning Rider on the Road, the lyric, the story in that was incredible hobo in the sun. I mean, just incredible stuff.
0: I remember when I was in my teens, I had to look up in the dictionary, what is a hobo? Because we (laughs) didn't know what they were, what it was. What was he he singing about?
1: Yeah. It's hard to pick a favorite, but he just had so many. And of course, it's one of those nights and last night, it just, just so many blessed is the rain Johnny Maestro and the Brooklyn Bridge. love that song. And uh, so, yeah, it's a hard, it's a cornucopia of incredible pop music.
0: If anybody wants to learn about how good a singer David Cassidy was in his early 20s, how outstanding a songwriter Tony Romeo was, would you urge them to listen to every Partridge Family album?
1: Oh, yes. Tony was the only writer who was on every single album. Tony was on every one of the albums from the original through uh, bulletin board. Yes. If you haven't, they're all out on CDs. The show is out now on box set. Go listen to all that music. Listen to David's cherish album. Dreams are more than nothing more than wishes and listen to that music. And not only Tony's songs, just listen to that music, how incredibly well-crafted pop music and listen to how he delivered. There's not one song where I said, he could have done a better job never just impeccable right i mean yeah. there's no there's no songs that could have been redone any better yeah
0: and yeah. you have to wonder whether if anybody else had sung those songs whether they would have had the same impact on us
1: i don't think so i don't think so he had there was something magical about his voice that was just it was just different than every it had a sleekness so that's the word i would use sleek very sleek and Polished and professional, and it, it oh. just penetrated your soul.
0: <laughs> you're not missing any Partridge Family songs, are you?
1: The only Partridge Family songs I'm missing, which I'm hoping they put out, are the unreleased songs that came out on the shows but were never put out on the albums. Yeah. So Sony Music, if you're listening, please. There's lots of fans out there that <laughs> that want those music.
0: Yeah, we we don't want the bootlegs. We want the real thing. The
1: original from the vault. Right.
0: Because that is part of his legacy. Yes. You know, some people would, would say, well, it's easy to dismiss him as not having any talent because he was a teenage idol. Mm-mm. You don't agree that, with that.
1: Oh, he was so underrated. And it bothered me that he didn't get the recognition that he deserved you know, because, what? oh, that's kids' music. No, that's not kids' music. That's incredibly well-crafted pop songs. And the writers on those, there's so many great writers on those songs that were in the Brill Building and wrote in those era for Wes Farrell. He was so underrated uh, over the years. He just never got the recognition I felt that he deserved. And uh, I just want people to know this music and this person and this gift that he gave to all of us was, was once in a, once in a lifetime. So yes, he was, uh, he did not get the credit he deserved.
0: Above that, he was underappreciated.
1: Well, not among the fans who loved him. Th- those people were diehards from the beginning through the end. He was underappreciated by a lot of the world. I think a lot of the people scoffed at the Partridge family music because it wasn't mature enough in their eyes and it wasn't cool enough or anything. But there was a lot of songs in the albums, Louise, that had like a rock feel. Think about I Can Feel Your Heartbeat, I Woke Up In Love This Morning, Roller Coaster. In other words, it wasn't just syrupy sweet music. Wes Farrell created these other kinds of songs that gave it more of an oomph to it. But unfortunately, I think that people would hear the word Partridge Family that weren't diehard fans and say, eh, the Partridge Family, which always got to me inside, bothered me that it was like not important. But... Meanwhile, they sold millions and millions of records, millions, and merchandise. And he was the biggest teen idol of all time. Bigger fan club than Elvis and the Beatles combined? Uh Hello. I, I have an album from uh, an LP from Japan I, I, in my collection. When I was collecting in those days, I mean, I have all that stuff, all, every, all the albums and everything. and They're still sealed and everything. It's just, it's like I have this one section of my house, in my home, that is just, it's all David, Partridge family. You know, it's just, it's all the albums in a special place till they, till I, they put me in the ground. That's what's mm-hmm. going to be with me.
0: Yeah, really?
1: Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. My, my feeling is that there are some people in life that are chosen to affect massive amounts of people. And I feel that David was one of those people. It, like I said, it took me a while to get over the mourning process. As good as the music was, it, it just took me a long time to listen again.
0: Were you surprised at the the depth of feeling that
1: evoked? I, I was, I was, I was surprised that I couldn't listen for a while. I was a little surprised about that. Um, I mean, I, I was devastated, you know, when he passed and always held out hope at the end, maybe something, a transplant or something would happen, but it didn't happen. And, you know, my wife and I just, you know, we talk about there's no more David concerts anymore, you know, and seeing anybody else is nice. It's not, it's not like him though. No just not like he was just in a showman to the nth degree
0: how did you regard him as a songwriter
1: oh he was very I you know that's another great point I've never I, I thought he was a good writer I liked his song on the shopping bag album called um they'll come a time very very good uh he was he was a good writer and um I believe he wrote some other songs with Wes Farrell I believe um but he was talented also I love that song they'll come a time I forgot about that
0: No there's so much once people start to delve deep into the the legend that is David Cassidy it's yeah. like wow I didn't know that I ask everyone this question but what do you think his legacy should be
1: well um, his legacy is I mean he was also you know an a great actor too he was in shows and things like that what and you know uh, Blood Brothers I never got the fortunate to see that. But his legacy is an entertainer, singer, songwriter, actor of just total professionalism. And the joy he brought to so many people is incalculable. And this has been just wonderful. And I can't thank you enough for sharing this and the importance you brought to David now. I'm so honored that you're doing this. I mean, to be part of this community that that cherishes this, this idol. And I mean, just, and what you've done is just, you brought so many people together, which he did. So to be part of this book is just, it's beyond belief. I mean, the stories and the pictures are just, forget about it. I mean, he touched so many lives and yeah, you're touching our lives through him. And I think his legacy is one of love and togetherness, just pure entertainment. He was so gifted in so many areas. His his legacy is one of just, Uh, love and and bring people together
0: sounds a perfect epitaph
1: thank you louise really
0: thank you so much ken it was wonderful for you to be a part of it and to share your incredible story
1: thank you for everything that's all
0: right it's my pleasure a very merry christmas to you ken
1: same here take care merry christmas
0: so that's it for this show and this year you can read more about ken and hear more of his music by visiting his website and the details can be found in the show notes which accompany this podcast. I shall be back in January with more wonderful guests, sharing their life story and David's role in their lives. It just leaves me now to thank you for your continued support. A huge thanks to all my guests, and to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful New Year. Until we connect again in 2022, take care.